Our call to worship this evening is from Psalm 132, verses 13 through 16. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever, here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision, I will satisfy her poor with bread, I will also clothe her priests with salvation. And her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Our scripture reading for this evening is from Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman unto thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, He measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. May God bless the reading of his holy 
and sufficient word. Beloved, our text for this evening is from Ruth, chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. The last time, the conclusion of the last sermon on Ruth, we left Ruth in in the midst of a tenuous situation, in the midst of uncertainty, not knowing what's coming next. Because of that nearer kinsman whom Boaz had identified, that Naomi and Ruth had not countered or counted into the equation. We've seen the theme of rest as well throughout this chapter. Beginning in verse 1, what does Naomi say to Ruth? My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And where did she point Ruth for rest? It was at the feet of Boaz. To lie down at the feet of Boaz and to find rest in his redemption. That's where she would find rest. And indeed, in verse 13, as the drama unfolds on the threshing floor of Boaz, as Ruth comes at midnight, what does does Boaz say in the midst of, of the fear and the anxiety that Ruth had? He says, now my daughter, fear not, in verse 11. Verse 13, tarry this night, rest this night, wait this night. In verse 14, she lay at his feet until the morning. In verse 18, again, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing today. There's anxiety, there's uncertainty, there are questions that Ruth has as she waits for Boaz. How is a soul to rest in such circumstances? Well, Ruth has the assurances from Boaz not to fear. The assurance that Boaz will do all to her that she has requested, that she has asked for. All that is required, Boaz says. The assurance that he will pursue redemption for her one way or another. Whether it's through the nearer kinsman or through Boaz himself. And we have a sneaking suspicion, don't we, that it's going to be Boaz. Because Boaz is going to do everything in his power. He even swears an oath. As the Lord liveth, you will be redeemed, Ruth, along with Naomi. How does Ruth lie down and wait with peace? In her heart. Well, Boaz tells her to tarry and to lie down in verse 13. Naomi tells her to sit still. How, how can she do that when she doesn't know for certain what will happen, whether her redemption is secure? That raises the question for us tonight, doesn't it? How does a soul wait and sit still in times of anxiety and in times of uncertainty? in times of of this this lack of assurance that we might have in our own hearts and minds when questions rise up and well in us. This uncertainty regarding redemption and the work of the greater Boaz for you. Well, the answer can be summarized in our theme tonight taken from Naomi's words in verse 18. Rest, because he won't. Rest, because He won't. 
Rest because He won't stop protecting you. Rest because He won't stop filling you. And rest because He will redeem you fully and finally. And so, believers tonight, even those who struggle, are called to rest in the greater Boaz's protecting grace. Ruth obeys Boaz's command to lie down in the morning, and then in verse 14, we read these words, and she rose up before one could know another. The sense of intrigue continues. She arises in the pre-dawn light so that no one would recognize her in the midst of the uncertainty. On a surface reading, it would seem that she's being coerced into silence, suppressed in the darkness of the night. Especially when Boaz says, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. That's one way of reading that statement, but that's not what's going on here. Whether Boaz addresses this to Ruth or to some of his workers here is irrelevant. He's not attempting to silence Ruth or make her dwell in obscurity as if she never came to his threshing floor. He's not just protecting his own reputation because a Moabite met with him at night. No. Boaz is concerned with protecting Ruth's reputation. We saw in chapter 2 that Boaz was concerned about protecting Ruth's person as he sent her out into the field. And he charged his men, his young men, not to touch her, but to protect her, to provide for her. Here again, he's all about protecting Ruth's reputation. We saw last time that both Ruth and Boaz have this integrity, this righteousness that excludes any hint of of wrongdoing in this matter, maintaining their purity on the threshing floor at night. And so Boaz is concerned to maintain Ruth's pure reputation, not to sully or dirty it. So he makes this proclamation, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor to protect the woman and to protect himself in this matter of redemption so that he can redeem Ruth. And so he's not only protecting her reputation, he's protecting the very redemption that he's setting out to do and to accomplish. He's all about protecting vulnerable Ruth to the gossip and attacks of what might, someone might say about her if they knew about what was happening on the threshing floor that night. Is this not the greater Boaz's concern as well? That's why in his wisdom, he tells us that he hates gossip and slander and the destruction of reputation as we read in Proverbs six, seventeen and 19, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brethren. And so what? What Boaz is doing here is living out the wisdom of God in protecting Ruth and her reputation. And so the greater Boaz is concerned about protecting and preserving the reputation of his people. We see this principle running throughout Scripture. We see it in Acts 9 as well when when Christ stops 
Paul or Saul on the road to, to Damascus? How does he identify with his people? He says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You see, Christ is concerned about his people's reputation. He's concerned about his people's redemption. He's concerned about his people as people. He identifies with them. Why are you persecuting me? He's concerned about preserving them in the face of gossip and slander. Though they often face this type of destructive behavior, even from from professing Christians, sadly. But in Boaz's words, we see his heart for this stranger whom he claims as his own daughter. And through Boaz, we see the heart of Christ tonight in protecting the vulnerable. And brothers, here we see an application for leadership as well. The heart of those in leadership. Concern for the protection of the vulnerable among God's people. To preserve their their personhood. To preserve their, their reputation. To preserve the grace that God has begun to work in them. That reputation of, or that redemption rather, that Christ is about in their lives. Boaz protects the reputation of Ruth. Because of his protecting grace, Ruth can rest there. But beloved, that's true of Christ as well, the greater Boaz. You can rest in his protecting grace tonight. He he bids you rest there. Your reputation, your heart, your past, your future, your present, it's all safe in his protecting grace. He will ensure full redemption. He will protect you. He will bring you all the way home, as we heard last week, in His double-handed grip. He safeguards you in His care. He will not rest until He has finished the thing that is redemption. He protects you in the meanwhile. Protects you from the onslaughts of the evil one. Protects you from those who would slander and gossip against you you and would say, you, you are saved. You claim grace. How can that be? You were at the feet of the greater Boaz. How do you dare to to lay at his feet? Surely not you. One who has the reputation of a Moabite. How can you lay at the feet of Christ? Surely he's worthy of much more. Well, the greater Boaz protects by his grace. So you can rest quietly leaning on the strength of His protecting grace. Secondly, you're called to rest in the greater Boaz's filling grace. Here we see Ruth resting in Boaz's filling grace. Boaz will not rest until Ruth is filled to the full. Listen to how he treats Ruth before she slips off in the pre-dawn light. He commands her. Or we could say He invites her with a command. And so this filling grace comes with a command to Ruth to come and to bring the cloak, to bring the veil that she was wearing. Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. In other words, Ruth is supposed to hold open her veil, to hold open her cloak, so that she could receive the bounty of Boaz's filling grace of what He was going to give her. And isn't this 
a picture of how grace works, of how filling grace works. Does it not command us to open our hearts wide tonight so that we might receive of the grace of the greater Boaz? You see, grace doesn't simply fall into our laps. Grace commands, grace invites to come near to to the greater Boaz, to, to open our hearts so that we might receive of the filling grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace doesn't operate outside of us. In the digital world, we speak of storing documents and files in the cloud off of our computer to, to keep our computers running fast and to maintain space on the hard drive. But that's not how grace works. It's not stored externally to us. No, grace comes and commands and says, come and open your cloak, open your heart, as it were, so that grace might be poured in, so that you might be filled by the grace and with the grace of the greater Boaz. It commands an opening, an entrance into the heart. If our hearts remain closed because of our own stubbornness or because of our own misunderstandings of grace, how can we be filled with the grace of the greater Boaz. He commands this evening in the words of Psalm 81, verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, or we could say out of the land of Egypt and the land of Moab. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Beloved, here's an invitation to bring your heart, that heart that is so full of iniquity as we heard this morning, to bring it and to be filled with the grace of the greater Boaz and to find rest in the bounty of His grace. You say, well, He commands, but I can't come. Don't start with that argument. Don't start with that argument. Because then you're trying to find rest in yourself and your ability to come. No. Listen. If He commands, is He not also willing and able to fill you and to draw you to Himself? That's the beauty of Christ. He not only commands, but He gives what He commands. But He also requires compliance, doesn't He? He requires obedience. In order to find rest in the filling grace the greater Boaz, we need, to, we need to heed his command. Ruth obeys Boaz's command. She, she responds with obedience to the invitation of Boaz to bring her veil. We read that sweet compliance and obedience in verse 15, just in these words, and when she held it, and when she held it. Implies she came and opened her veil to receive of the bounty that Boaz was going to give her. She held it open so that Boaz could pour that grain into the veil. She could have refused in a display of false humility and say, well, I'm not worthy. I'm just a Moabite. I'm just a stranger. But no, faith comes even in the midst of unworthiness to be filled by Boaz, by the greater Boaz. Ruth doesn't live this way. She lives by faith, a faith that humbly receives from the generosity and kindness of Boaz's heart and and hand. You see, she rests here obediently. 
That's where rest is found tonight as well. In in obeying the word of Christ. How do you live in regard to the greater Boaz? How do you live in regard to his heart and hand of grace when he bids you come to be filled? Do you come readily? Do you come complying sweetly to the word of Christ? Recognizing that in the invitation of Christ, in the generosity of Christ, in the heart of Christ, there is rest. Or do you negotiate? Do you stipulate? Or perhaps even manipulate your own terms of receiving grace? You see, it's quite simple how grace works. It commands. And then faith complies to receive of the riches of Christ and to enjoy Him in what He gives. Notice what this statement of obedience says about the activity of faith and the riches of grace. When she held it. When she held it. Implying that when she held it open, the blessing was poured in. Beloved, grace will not be poured into us until our hearts are open to receive that grace. We cannot enjoy the filling grace of Christ until we obey His command, His invitation. It's in rest or in obeying that we will find our rest. And we can rest in the plenty of this filling grace. We read that Boaz's filling grace is measured as six measures of barley. Children, do you remember when Ruth gleaned in the field before and she went home? She gleaned an ephah of barley. We thought that was a lot, didn't we? Thirty to fifty pounds of barley. That was a heavy load for Ruth to carry back home. But now Boaz loads her down with six measures. Sixty to a hundred pounds of barley. Double of what she carried home the first time. Such plenty flows from the hands of Boaz to Ruth. And what do we read? He lifts it up and he, he lays it on her. Ruth doesn't have to fill the veil herself. She simply has to hold the veil open. And Boaz pours in and lays it on her. So she goes home staggering under this this weight of, of barley, this gift, this pledge, as we'll see in a moment, of Boaz's redemption. She staggers home again under this display of kindness and plenty from the hand of Boaz. Famine in the land of Moab has turned into bounty in the land of Israel when the Lord has visited His people in giving them bread. Here's that statement in full color. Six measures of barley laid on her shoulders. 
Oh, Boaz is generous and kind. His filling grace is lavish and liberal in the best sense of the word. As the Redeemer kinsman, he displays the heart of Christ and his filling grace. So this evening, Christ bids you come, empty soul, whoever you are. He commands you to come and to be filled with him, to hold your heart open, to be filled with him and his grace. The command already shows the heart of Christ, doesn't it? The very fact that he invites sinners into his presence to receive of his grace. How can you not respond to such a command, to such an invitation for the first time or again? Come willingly, obediently, recognizing your own emptiness, your poverty apart from His filling grace. Look now to see Christ and see His plenty that He pours into His people willingly, graciously, lavishly, liberally, abundantly. There is none like Christ. He sees the open heart hungering after him. Will he not fill it? Remember the words that he taught on the mount as he taught the people there. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Test him. Test him tonight. Rest in the lavish provision of His grace. Not just one ephah, but six measures. He's not stingy. He's liberal in the best sense of the word. He calls you to rest in His provision. As office bearers, we are called to rest in this provision for, from Christ. We spoke about office bearing grace before we went into the service. Christ gives that liberally and lavishly to those who recognize their dependence on Him. But like Boaz reflected the heart of Christ, we are to reflect that heart to those to whom we minister, to those who hunger, literally hunger, to those who are spiritually hungry, to those who are empty and point them to the fullness in Christ whether that's bringing the word in spiritual counsel, family visitation, one-on-one visits, meeting the physical needs as Boaz does here. You and I are called to reflect the generosity, the liberality of the heart of Christ, pointing to, to this rest that is in Christ for needy souls. We see that this filling grace is lavish, it's rich, It's plentiful. But it's also transforming. Produces a change in Ruth. A change that Naomi is inquiring after in verse 16. And when she came to her mother-in-law, Naomi said, Who art thou, my daughter? That's a puzzling question, isn't it? We read that and we say, "Doesn't, Doesn't Naomi recognize who Ruth is? Well, no, it doesn't mean that Naomi doesn't recognize Ruth at all. 
Rather, it's a question that can be translated or interpreted more along the lines of this. How did it go, my daughter? Has there been a change in status for you? Has Boaz committed to marrying you? Naomi wants to know whether Ruth is betrothed or engaged to Boaz. Whether he will redeem her. And then Ruth responds by telling Naomi all that Boaz had done to her. She shares it all. The experience at midnight. The laying down at his feet. His fear upon waking up and finding Ruth at his feet. His response when she asked him to spread his skirt over over her, symbolic of the covenant of marriage. She shares his words of commitment to Naomi. His words of reassurance not to fear that he would see to the matter in spite of a nearer kinsman. Changes in the air. Transformation is in the air as Boaz will see to their redemption. It's unresolved at this point in the story, but we have the full story, don't we? We have the full picture. We know that that Boaz will be the redeemer of Naomi and Ruth. And so Ruth speaks to the change that has happened in her life. The hope that she has in the kinsman redeemer. There's an excitement as she tells Naomi everything. Even though she doesn't know exactly how it will end, she has these assurances that she's resting in, knowing that change will come, that redemption will come fully and finally. And then notice what else Ruth shares with Naomi about what Boaz said. It's not just what he did, but what he said. She takes the word of Boaz back to Naomi. These six measures of barley gave he, gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. What a change this Redeemer has worked in Ruth's life up until this point. There is a change, a transformation. He's included her as his daughter. He's provided for her. He's protected her. He's done all these things for her. He's acknowledged that she has been brought into the covenant community of Israel, that she is resting under the wings of the Lord. And what she's experienced in the realm of grace, she now wants to experience on an interpersonal level in marriage with Boaz. But it's not just Ruth in which this change has taken place. It's also in Naomi. Boaz had Naomi in his sights with these words. He wants to reassure her too that he will redeem her and provide for her. This barley that Ruth brought home, these six measures of barley, was a pledge, was a sign that that Boaz would redeem Naomi as well. Notice what he says specifically to Naomi or to Ruth about going back home to her mother-in-law. Go not empty to thy mother-in-law. You remember what Naomi said when she entered into the walls of Bethlehem in her bitter spirit. 
In Ruth 1.21, she says, I went out full and the Lord have brought me home again empty. She blames the Lord for her emptiness and now Boaz will be the instrument of her redemption, the instrument of her fullness. That's the pledge here. That's how the pledge operates. Boaz is saying, I will be the instrument of your fullness. As the Lord liveth. It's as if Boaz has heard her bitter complaint of emptiness. He sends Ruth back home to Naomi as the one who will bring her fullness again. Not just in barley, but in a soon-to-be marriage and a baby. Indeed, Ruth returns with all the fullness of Boaz's provision to remind Naomi that the Lord is not done yet. This barley is a pledge of the Lord's chesed, of His loving kindness, of His faithfulness through the Redeemer, Boaz. Beloved, how much more the greater Boaz bids us tonight not to return home empty. We have no one to blame for our emptiness but ourselves. Naomi disparaged the Lord's provision for her. But now the Lord turns turns her words on their head. She's no one to blame but herself for her emptiness. The Lord shows this lavish provision for her and for Ruth, this pledge. And so in a similar way, we have ourselves to blame for our emptiness. We can never disparage the Lord. We can never blame the Lord. Because our own sinful choices, as we learn from the beginning of the story, our own sinful choices lead us to empty wells to cisterns that hold no water. Now the Lord bids us return home with the full provision of the greater Boaz, indeed, with himself. And as he does, he says, rest in my filling grace, my son, my daughter, because I will not rest until you are fully satisfied in my presence in glory. So you're called to rest in the greater Boaz's filling grace. And finally, you're called to rest in the greater Boaz's redeeming grace. Rest in the greater Boaz's redeeming grace. Ruth returns home with the story of what's happened, with the words of Boaz with the pledge of Boaz. And as Naomi hears what Boaz has done and given and said, she counsels Ruth. She counsels Ruth. First, Boaz says, Fear not, for I will do all that is required of thee. Everything you ask for, I will do. There's the promise that Ruth is called to live by. As hard as it is in her circumstances, as hard as it is for her to wrap her mind and her heart around that truth, 
always gives her more assurance. Gives her a pledge. Gives her a word. And then, in the midst of all that anxiety, all the questions of that that nearer kinsman. If only that nearer kinsman wasn't in the story, it would be okay, wouldn't it? Maybe we sense the frustration as we read what's happening here. It's a spoiler for the story. Well, isn't sin and doubt and fear the great spoiler of our life story? How it robs us of the, the rest that is in Christ. Well, lest it rob Ruth of resting in what Boaz is going to do and who Boaz is, Naomi tells her, sit still, my daughter. Fascinating words coming from Naomi. Sit still, my daughter. In other words, wait, rest now, because what you have here is evidence that Boaz will do as he said. Trust His Word. Look at this pledge, this down payment of redemption that is coming. Trust that He will do it to the full. The Redeemer will do as He said. You can trust Him even when circumstances don't seem favorable. In the midst of the anxiety of a nearer kinsman than Boaz, you must rest here in His Word and promise. Sit still, my daughter. Sit still. Isn't that the word of the greater Boaz to anxious souls? It will be okay. It will be okay. Not just because you have to muddle through it on your own, no. Christ doesn't ask you to muddle through it. He doesn't ask you to muddle through the doubts and the anxieties and the questions of your life. He says, come, open your heart, and I will fill it so you can sit still, so you can wait on my word of promise. Not just because you will muddle through it, but because the greater Boaz has done the work already. It is finished. If you profess to rest under the wings of the Lord for His grace, If you confess with Ruth that He is your God, His people are your people, His place is your place, then you can sit still. You can sit still. It means resting now in who He is and what He's done. It's resting in His word of promise. That not only has He worked redemption in your heart, but He will see that redemption to its full completion. His word to you now, after filling you with a down payment of His redemption, by redeeming you from sin, is this. Sit still. Wait upon me. Actively lean on me. The statement is not one of passivity. It's one of action. It's sitting still. 
It's resting in Christ. It's leaning on Christ. It's ceasing from your own activity when it comes to the matter of redeeming yourself and saying, the greater Boaz has done it. The greater Boaz will complete it. It's taking his word. It's leaning on his promise. There's no surer foundation to rest in than what he has done and what he has promised. And yet there's a tension, isn't there, in waiting and resting. Not tension that causes us to to be anxious. But this tension between the now and the not yet. The redemption that we have in the now, in the here and now, through the blood of Christ. And the redemption that is still awaiting us, the fullness of that redemption that is coming. We're living in that that distance between the now and the not yet. We do not live by sight, we live by faith in that which is still coming. And waiting can be difficult as we await that full and final redemption in which we're subject to, to doubts and fears and anxiety. Waiting can be difficult. But listen to what Naomi says. Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. Resting in the Christian life is filled with with tension as we face our doubts and fears and anxieties regarding our relationship with Christ. There are those realities that we face in the Christian life. But we need to be assured of this, this one thing, that redemption is true. That redemption is a fact for those who rest by faith in Christ. From our perspective, it can sometimes seem, seem tenuous. But the reality is that our relationship is secure in Christ. We are held by that double-handed grip of the Father and the Son. As we heard last week, if you rest in Christ alone, in the nearer kinsman, in the greater Boaz, you can rest securely in His person, in His work, in His promise Until salvation is complete, until the matter has been settled and you are on the other side of glory. And until then, until then we have to battle against those doubts and fears. We have to bring ourselves back to the feet of Boaz. We have to sit still on Boaz as it were. And we have to rest in him. It goes against our human nature that tells us we can't rest. We still have to contribute something, that we need to be in control of our destiny and our final redemption. Sit still until thou know how the matter will fall. You can know this one thing, that Christ has redeemed you by leaning on His promises. And in the meantime, you live by faith and you rest in Christ, looking for that full and final day of salvation. These are words of confidence, aren't they? It's really a confession of faith from the lips of Naomi. The one who is bitter is now telling Ruth what to do. 
Words of confidence that flow from the heart of Naomi. They point to the surety that Naomi was now resting in. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Rest. Because Boaz won't. He has this under his control. He has a plan. He will do it. He will accomplish redemption for you and me. Let's sit still, Ruth. Let's sit still. Let's rest because Boaz won't. What confidence-inducing words for trembling saints tonight. It's not in us at all, our redemption, our rest. But it is in Christ that our rest is found. Remember that Naomi and her family had made that tragic sojourn to Moab and returned again to Bethlehem. Ruth had found rest under the wings of the Lord, and now as she seeks that rest on a human level for her and Naomi, Naomi is essentially telling her what she has learned from these circumstances. In the words of Isaiah thirty fifteen. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. You can sit still because Boaz won't. He will make it happen. He will not tarry. He will make it happen speedily, even today. What a picture of Christ to end on tonight. Trembling saint, you can sit still. You can rest. Because Christ won't. Even now. He's engaged in ceaseless activity on your behalf. Inviting you again in the gospel to come and to be filled. To rest in Him. He won't rest until he has finished the thing this day. Come then and rest in him. Cease from your own activity. Rest in him for the good of your own soul. As you rest in him, let this be your prayer. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. It's casting ourselves on the ceaseless activity of the Redeemer kinsman. As he goes to the gate of the city to accomplish redemption for Naomi, this Moabite stranger who is now a daughter, rest because he won't. Hear his voice in the gospel. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sit still, my daughter, my son, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for the rest that is in Jesus, that we can cease from our own activity, 
and that we can rest in the ceaseless activity of the greater Boaz. And Lord, we pray for those souls tonight who are trembling, for those who doubt, for those who fear, for those who are anxious. Lord, as they cast about in their own minds and hearts and souls, let them see that they will never find rest apart from the greater Boaz. They would find joy and peace and stability as they rest in who thou art and what thou art doing in their lives. That if they cannot deny that they need Christ, that they depend on Christ, that they would sit still until that full and final redemption. That they would draw on that down payment of redemption in the blood of Christ and draw strength from what thou art doing in their lives. That these doubts and fears which are our infirmities would be met in the word of Christ and in the work of Christ and in the person of Christ. Thou art utterly worthy and willing to assure us, to strengthen us. For those who are weary of the battle against sin and against the flesh, Lord, help them too to find rest and to sit still, knowing that thou art working and hast won the victory on our behalf. To gain fresh strength for the battle in these words, in the place of rest and refuge that is in Christ alone, that those who are restless, having never found and tasted that rest that is in Christ, would find that rest in Thee. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name alone. Amen.